Good evening, dear listener. Welcome to Volume 5, Episode 5 of Weekend at Crombies. And tonight we will be deep diving into a civil action. Yes, good evening, dear listener. It is um, your favourite time of the month. It's the new episode of Weekend at Crombies, season five, episode five. Uh, And um, this evening we'll be discussing a civil action. My name is uh, Dr. James Evans Esquire. The truth. I thought we were talking about a court of law. And I am Hugh. You don't want me on this case. I'm only going to hurt you. So get rid of me. Oof. Heavy stuff to start with. <laughs> That's my, this is my coded message to you each time, James. <laughs> very good, very good. Now this was um this was Hugh's choice. Indeed, a civil um, action. A civil action, um, a film that whose title I will refer to as class action throughout the podcast. <laughs> so I apologize. I don't know why I cannot remember the name of the title of the film, but I can't. Um, so it, it just assume if I say class action, I mean a civil action. Um, but this is a John Travolta vehicle. Well, um, not quite, you say that the, the, the cast, as we should discover, is loaded well, with stars. It goes deep, doesn't it? In fact, when, yeah. when, when I was looking at when the credits were going up, uh, the, the opening credits and the cast was revealed, I was thinking, who isn't in this film? It's got a heck of a bench. Stephen Fry is in this film. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, what? When did he go? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. Lots of actors. James Gandolfini. Yeah, yeah. And others. And others. And many others. Many, (laughs) as we shall learn as we get into the recap. So we'll do the recap. I I hesitantly say we might be quick because it's... um, Whilst that is, it's, it's, uh, it's quite a story. The plot, hopefully, we'll be able to get, get across fairly briskly, but we shall find out. I doubt uh, it. Anyway. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> but we begin. Um, John Travolta is Yang Schlichtman, um, who is the, uh, the nice star. Nice pronunciation he's, as well. He's, he's a Boston lawyer uh, and a, a member of a small firm of lawyers, basically just four of them. Um, and they are personal injury lawyers, the ambulance chasers, basically. Uh, and John Travolta also delivers a, a little voiceover every now and again that... Um, that gives a very kind of unfiltered view of his profession. It it's very begins, cynical, isn't it? Oh, it's basically saying like, you know, um, the, the most valuable life in money terms is a 40-year-old white man. The least valuable life is a child. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he's not doing it in a kind of a smug way. He's just saying, this is the facts of my profession. Um, and we begin with, um, they're, about to, they're about to close a case. So we begin at the, the, the tail end of one of their cases, based to show what a hotshot lawyer he is, because he's wheeling in a guy in a wheelchair who's clearly um, a quadriple- quadriplegic. Um, and he brings him into the courtroom as they're making their case. And and John Travolta is like, he's, he's taking great care of this person. He's adjusting his headrest and he's kind of dabbing his lips and all this kind of stuff. He's tie up for him, isn't he? Giving yeah. him some water. For he's doing his top button so he can be comfortable. And he's, oh, yeah, being, he's being very nice to him. He's, he's being wonderful to him. And as he's doing all this, the jury are seeing this injured man who's clearly the plaintiff in the case. And, you know, feeling that the more he does for him, the more heartbroken the jury feels. And the other lawyer um, who he's facing is writing on his post-it notes things like 1.4 million, final. And John Travolta <laughs> just shakes it off and he does some more. And he 
goes, 1.6 million. Final! And he shakes it off. And then finally, um, one of the jurors just lets a tear go down her cheek. And the guy just goes, 2 million, please! <laughs> And they decide they don't go to court. They decide to immediately settle. And then we see a shot of, of John Travolta and his his firm, which includes Tony Shalhoub and William H Macy. Is um, yeah, is associates. Yeah. Um, and and also, I mean, lesser known perhaps, but Zelt. His name's Zeltko Ivanek. Yeah. Um, who who is quite a famous character actor. He's a very good hey, it's that guy. And if you yeah, could, is, if yeah. anyone could pronounce his name, guy. he'd be well well known. But yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's he's the fourth member of their firm. And they kind of they're cranking the champagne bottles and they you know they um they're not. It's laughing at their, their their victims, but they are kind of they're aware of the cynicism of their profession. They're I like don't saying, think that they're laughing at their victims. They but they are very satisfied in the yeah. way that they are able to navigate the legal system. Yeah, and then John Travolta again. He's, he's now a bit of a celebrity in Boston. He's like an eligible bachelor. He's a he's a bit of a you know he wears the nice clothes. He drives a nice car. We'll say this is John Travolta in his his late nineties period when he's um. He's got that look of when he played Clinton in Primary Colours. He's a bit he's got, he's, he's he's a bit heavy set, but he's still yeah. got that charm, the Travolta charm about him. Um, you can understand why he'd be a, a smarmy lawyer. Um, but uh, a case comes their way, and this is the case that, that kicks everything off. It's a um, a small town is basically we'll get into the details of it, but they, he initially finds out a small town is complaining that the drinking water has been made unsafe and has has caused basically an outbreak of leukemia amongst their children. Um, and Travolta kind of takes a look at it and because Tony Shalhoub has brought this to them and saying, look, there's there's no money in this case. Like we, we're a small firm. We can take on like three cases a year and yeah. each investment of resource has to bring a payday. And that's basically where they're looking at these cases. Um, yeah, they're making it. This is where the, the statement at the start of the film, which is you know, the, the, the best the best plaintiff is the the forty year old white man who's yeah. at the prime of his economic earning powers, as it were. This this case is not going to bring them in any money. Yeah, there's even a shot as John Travolta. We we see him, you know, trying on his various ties and and um, handkerchiefs to look to all smart. He walks past the car accident, and there's a guy kind of sitting by the side of his wrecked car, you know, dabbing his his bandaged head. And instead of offering any comfort, he just leaves him his card and moves on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's that is that kind of vibe. And so John Travolta decides that um, Tony Shalhoub will just get emotional again. So he, uh, Jan Schlickman, will will race down to this this village in the, the backwaters of New England, Woburn, Massachusetts. Woburn, Massachusetts. He will he will sort it out. Um, you know, he'll he'll let them down gently, and then it'll be done. They they call this case an orphan case because it's been passed around from firm to firm because no one wants to touch it because they've all judged there is no money there. Um, and you know they may have right on their side, but because they they obviously work on a no win no fee basis, so everything the firm takes on they're paying for until they win. So it's obviously it's, it's financial risk for them too. Um, so you can understand why they've got this very cynical view of if there's no money in it, we're not doing it. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it's not even cynical, is it really, in the end? It's just it's he does explain, business model. Yeah, he does explain <laughs> this is this is how it works. And, this yeah, is, yeah. and, it, and there's a, they do make a contrast saying, um, in fact, it's a, a later character we'll come to, says this isn't a, a criminal case where there's there's justice on the side. This is all about money. And we, mm. we get that mm. we get that impressed mm. to us uh, as the story goes along. But he he zooms down to, to World Matthews in a lovely black, like a, a Porsche or um, it's a, yeah, it's a Porsche 911. There you go. It's a nice car and that he immediately gets a speeding ticket for because he, he he's, yeah. doesn't care. Um, but he goes down to this this thing and there's the usual kind of very drab communal hall with all these you know, a dozen families gathered around in a circle talking to them, just saying, look, with our water supply has always tasted funny. We think it's been polluted. I know our kids have died. Who And it's the whole thing is like he's saying, who, who do you want to sue? Who, who, can yeah. we... who is it? Yeah, yeah he's, 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 because then the, the who do you want an apology from? 
yeah, one of the bereaved mothers played by uh, Kathleen Quinlan um, basically says, I want someone to say sorry. I want someone to look me in the eye. It's not about the money. They all say it's not about the money. They want someone to look me in the eye and say it was our fault and we're sorry. And he's saying, look, there's, there's no one. <laughs> um, yeah. Who is it? Yeah, and it and he's, he also makes the point the case that if there's unless they can basically sue someone with a deep pockets, their firm can't take it on either because they just won't be able to afford it. And with that, his job done, he races off back home, and you get a kind of reverse shot of his car zooming back the other way and getting a speeding ticket again. <laughs> yeah. And this is where it kicks off because he gets stopped on on the, on the bridge over Woburn County, the the uh, the river that goes into it. And as he gets his ticket. Uh, for the second time, he uh, he just gazes down at the river and decides to take a stroll, and he follows the river down in the mud. It, it, it's it, a hell it, of a stroll. You can absolutely tell that his posh shoes are getting ruined yeah. because he stumbles a few times. <laughs> yeah, thinking, very that's, stressful. That's not good for his brogues. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then and then he sees this big tanning mill. Um, you know that just looks like a polluter. It's you know, smoke is coughing yeah. into the air, filth is spilling out into the land. Um, it looks like it is got guilty written all over it. Um, <laughs> it's not and, very subtle, is it? No. Um, which again, I think it hasn't been because it's been it's been poisoning mm. the town. Um, but then he sees something even more interesting that a couple of the the trucks running out of it's a tannery basically it's, it yeah. cures leather. But a couple of the trucks that service it have the names of the subsidiaries that own the tannery. And these subsidiaries are Beatrice Foods and W.R. Grace. Now these who do have a lot of money. Yes, they they own like everything. They own yeah, these um, yeah. like orange juice and, uh, and and all the big. These, they basically rattle off all these big brand names that own that are owned by these Beatrice Foods and W.R. Grace. Yeah. And they think, ah, well, here's the deep pockets we've been looking for. Yeah. So here's he, the apology we might be able to get. Yeah, and he's he's running back now to his firm, saying, I can't believe you let this go. This is a yeah. gold mine for us. We got to go for it. Um, and so they begin in earnest. They they um they they start you know um, sinking wells and treating the ground and um and overturning the uh the land the uh, Stephen this is where Stephen Fry comes in as a, a resident expert um he's a geologist isn't he he's a yeah geologist um, and again playing it as you'd imagine the uh is it a very bookish oh yes I think it'd be marvelous with like, the glaciers came down here you know it's wonderful very interesting very interesting you know um he's playing Stephen Fry I think yeah and and so the uh, the civil action begins and again it's um. This is where again John Falter's voiceover takes it and saying, you know, these big firms have big lawyers and they will try and intimidate you and bully you off the pitch and you can't be intimidated by them. Um, just you know, stand up to the bullies. And so we learn who are who are um, opposing counsel are. One of them is kind of a standard opposing counsel who's representing Grace. Um, he's Mr. Cheese Man. Cheese Man, as everyone <laughs> pronounced. Is it Cheese Man? Uh, so Mr. Cheese Man is. <laughs> Is, is is a regular antagonist. However, the um, the attorney representing Beatrice Foods is anything but uh, standard. Uh, he's he's discovered um, in the vaults of the uh, of this big law firm as a a junior comes up and um, hands him the firm. He's played by Robert Duval. This is a uh, Mrs. Fat Mrs. Thatcher. Um, yeah. And and uh, basically he's uh, again we we. Thatcher is a great character. We can just say that now. He's, Jerry Jerry Thatcher. Yeah, Jerry he's, Thatcher. Yeah. He's a vuncular and yeah. a kind of dodgy. He's got that kind of Columbo vibe of, of yeah. like, oh, this is nice. All, all, all for show. All for show. And again, he's, he's got his little portable radio. He's listening to the ball game yeah. on. He's got his little homemade sandwiches and his little yeah. box of raisins. And he's nibbling when it is lunch. And he's clearly a massive partner in this firm yeah. who's a huge uh, legal shark. And this runner kind of hands him this brown envelope saying, you know, there's a case. And he goes, he made you give me this envelope on your lunch hour? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I, I don't really work lunch hour, so I, I work through lunch. And he goes, oh, you should take a lunch hour. You should find yourself a quiet place where you can have a sandwich and the ball game. And if anyone disturbed that time, <laughs> They would be very sorry indeed. 
and he just <laughs> drops the envelope and slinks back yeah, into the it's funny files. isn't it it's a good um, introduction it is yeah it's uh, a it again, says a lot about his character as well doesn't it yeah and he, he never you know never bears his teeth he just quietly gives him this advice that any man who would interrupt someone when they were having their lunch would be very very foolish <laughs> um <laughs> And and so the, the the case begins now. They're kind of they're all gathering the evidence, and they um again we uh we start with the it it begins as as um kind of the deposition. So it's not in trial yet. It's all in like in the idea is you as as John Volter explains, it's like people just throw money at this problem. Yeah. Um, we we spend we throw loads of money to prove the case. They throw loads of money to stop us, and um eventually we'll settle, and that's how it works. And it's um who basically whoever comes to their sense, we're we're spending money, they're spending money. Whoever comes to their senses first loses. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> because someone would just say, "No, I don't want to spend any money. Let's just give them millions to stop this." Um, and we, we again, we, uh, Jan gets his first view of Thatcher in this deposition. And again, the um, Cheeseman is doing his normal thing of like flicking through the cases and, and being proper. And Jan is doing his thing, being proper. And uh, Thatcher is just there with a roll of sellotape, just fixing the handle of his battered old legal case. Uh, this man who clearly makes like a six-figure sum just is still carrying out his ratty old uh, suitcase and he's fixing it with sellotape. He's asked, isn't he, why don't you why don't you buy a new suitcase? Yeah. He says you never change your suitcase during the season or something like that. Yeah, they never change your socks during the, during the middle of a playoffs or whatever. Yeah, that's it, yeah. <clears throat> So and, and thus it begins. They start the uh, they start interviewing um, basically the workers of this mine, saying, "Did you did you um, use any chemicals? Did you dump any chemicals?" And all, and all the workers keep in toe in the party line. It's like yeah, we didn't, we didn't, yeah. we didn't, until they meet uh, a uh, James Gandolfini's character, Al Loaf, um, yeah. who's who's doing the normal thing. And it's like, um, "Did you treat chemicals? Yeah, I treated chemicals. Da -da -da. Did you dump them? Yes." Yeah, and dump them. <laughs> and everyone takes a shot, but are trying really hard not to look like they've just because like, yeah. John Travolta is is. It's got quite a good performance. He's bottling it up, but he thinks jackpot. Yeah. Everyone's like, "Oh, that's that's interesting." Did, yeah. did you, did you say you had seen dumped chemicals, and yeah. it, it takes a while to get it from him. But James Galfini character Al Loaf has has seen this, um, and not just seen this, is feeling tremendously guilty about this because yeah. he lives opposite one of the bereaved families. Um, he has eight children himself, some of which have had health issues because he lives in the town too. Yeah. And the, the thing that tips him over is can he he basically intimates something. His lawyers lean on him saying, "Look, it, it could be anything. Don't say anything you regret." His workers all around him are like, you know, give him the stink eye. Don't be a rat. Um, but there is a scene when he's just having a family dinner and he's watching all these children yeah. basically drink water, have, have having a nice dinner and drinking glasses of water, which is made to seem so threatening. Sinister, isn't it? It is because like it's a family dinner. Everyone's happy, yeah. smiling, and drinking water, and it's like yeah. you can see it thinking. Is this am I poisoning my family? And, and yeah. it's just like ah, uh, and then that then he basically um, spills everything and um, having already spilled everything, he, he tells him everything, um, which is enough evidence to bring them to settle. Grace and yeah. Beatrice both think uh, Grace and Beatrice being the firms both think we will now settle. Uh, so John Travolta's firm is like whoopee, we got it, we've we've mm. done it. We we were they did say we were, they were quite tight in the hole. They had to go to the bank to extend their credit because they had gone way deep into all this geological studies to prove the case yeah. but they're so now going to go and visit uncle pete uncle pete the bank, bank manager um, yeah when they're i think they, they end up at this point they've spent something like 1.4 million dollars oh it's, it's more that's so it's like two two million i think um, yeah it's a on, lot yeah um well, yeah one thing we'll come to is, is the, the sums of money given this was in like yeah. the 90s it's it's it mad, relatively it? small it's oh no oh i see what you mean yeah 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 yeah, yeah. because they were talking yeah. about we're, we're going to get a, a yeah. 20 million dollar settlement thinking is that a lot that's like that's like a footballer <laughs> yeah <I laughs> we'll give you a the, center half i wonder what the exchange rate is now yeah because it because it's it is strange how 
obviously, you know, I would imagine twenty million dollars to me. I'd imagine is I'd, I'd appreciate, but yeah. in, in terms of this is legal. This is like would yeah. shake a Fortune five hundred company. It's like that's just you know it's a, a day of billing. But anyway, it's a lot of money. They go to their payday and they're all lined up. And again, once again, um, they're in a nice hotel. They're all all facing each other, ready to start negotiations. And Thatcher is again in the corner, uh, subtly nicking croissants in his pocket, <laughs> and like inspecting like the fruit, and then placing it carefully back because he wanted to uh, you know, ruin anything expensive. And uh, like, oh, this is a nice pen. Can I keep this pen? Yeah. Um, uh, but John Travolta is seething because um, during discovery, in fact, um, before they've they've had this breakdown, they've had interviewed all the families and. Uh, They've they've all basically given their um what has happened to it and one of the one of the fathers has given an incredibly harrowing account yeah of how very son, moving yeah again I don't know the actor because he he was I guess a in a very quick scene in the film doesn't he yeah yeah really he's he's basically giving a account it's it's, it's horrible to listen to again his son went to um, had leukemia was about to recover but then went quickly went in uh, went deteriorated and they couldn't even get him to the hospital in time he died on the um the interstate as they were trying to give him cpr and john travolta has heard this in fact um thatcher has heard this and murmurs to his um his his co colleague we can never let these families take the stand because yeah. he's yeah. right any jury that heard this would yeah. just would just favor here in favor of them uh but john travolta is, is moved by this probably for the first time yes um Schlitman has has been chasing the money up until now, but when he actually hears the story, something inside him is pushed because he yeah. then kind of parks his car on the same interstate and envisages what could have happened. He kind of sees because yeah. it, it's very nice. Actually, you just see the tail lights of a car. You in do, the yeah, you do, yeah. And yeah. you imagine when he's describing it. You see the tail lights and you know what's going on inside, but you don't see what's going inside. It's like and a horror movie. The, the worst thing is what's in yeah. your mind, not yeah. what they show you. So you, yeah, you're exactly. just envisaging the horror. Um, yeah. And it, and and it has moved him. So Jan. Um, Basically, he's about to settle now. It's like, say, we'll pay you 25 million. And everyone is like, takes a breath thinking, we'll Brilliant. accept that. Yeah. Yeah, his, his colleagues Job think, done. we'll get it. The, the, the um, Grace and Bridge is thinking, okay, we'll do it. And then he goes, and another 25 million to clean up the um, the mess. And 1.5 million for the next 30 years for every family. And they work out it's like 320 million, which is clearly such a biz an outrageous amount of settlement that they, they would they never- They can only say it. no. Like, well, yeah, I think it's, as, as all the lawyers are reeling, again, um, it's Robert Duval just goes, I have one question. Can I keep this pen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he leaves. And so it, it's clearly going to trial, which once again, the voiceover one of you says is that the uh, the odds of winning a trial are two to one against. Your odds are better at winning Russian roulette than they are at winning a trial. <laughs> Cases never go to trial. Yeah. Um, and this one has. If we want to know how much $25 million is worth today, it's 43.3 million. Ooh. There we go. Not as much as I thought it would be. I don't know. That's, that's a chunk of change. Oh, certainly is. But um, you know, we're not talking hundreds of million, are we? Yeah. But uh, we uh, we begin the the courtroom. I we should actually mention um, presided over by the right oh, honourable um, the uh, wonderful John Lithgow. John, Lithgow. John, if you're listening, well done. <laughs> it is. It is given uh, John Lithgow features every single year in our podcast. It's a relatively small role, but uh, played to perfection. I think. Yeah, he, uh, he dominates that courtroom. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. He's brilliant and it, in it. And yeah, in fact, he does he does play it because um his role is is very much um he's not he's, he's not like a corrupt judge. He's not he can, oh, the, the, no, the, the odds are very much not. against um Jang Schlipman and his firm. But that's mostly because the system is against him and uh, Lithgow is representing that, playing it firmly and it looks like unfairly, but basically he's just following the law, which is yes. 
which again, Robert Duval is, is very able to, to process um, much more than John Travolta is. And, and I think we'll come on to this in the analysis of the film. That that motif runs strongly through the film, doesn't it? Being able to individuals who are representing the law and some individuals who are able to represent the law more effectively than others yeah. are the ones that probably in the end come out on top. Yeah, because there, there is a scene before it goes to trial is um, when Thatcher meets Strickman on the, uh, the, the, the sites they're digging up and he basically gives him a chance. He says, look, mm. you've got Grace and Beatrice, you only need one of us and Grace is the one you can get. You can't get Beatrice. So, um, yeah. and he says, if you don't want me on this case, I'll I'll hurt you, get rid of yeah. me. So I, I say, I'll pay your expenses and then just cut me loose and I'll go. So he's offering him a way out, um, which of course John Travolta doesn't want to get because yeah. by now he's so moved and he, he does say later that the only sum he'll accept in retribution is the sum they don't want to pay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which, which is which, which, which sends William H Macy's finance director into meltdown. Yeah, which is as the as the as the trial goes on and the trial does go on. They have the trial begins and it's all geological studies and it's evidence and evidence and it goes on and on and on. It's clearly bleeding money from the firm. And William H Macy is the money man. He is he starts off again making cost savings and then he makes more cost savings and then he buys lottery tickets yeah. and he uh, he puts up all their houses as collateral he cashes in all the he's, he's he puts the entire firm and all their personal savings to the wire to get this um so the fact when john travolta says i won't accept anything from them that unless it's more than they're willing to pay yeah. um it's just saying in the teeth isn't it really yeah he sends the whole film into apoplexy because or not only is he he's saying this he's the one making this choice they don't decide yeah. it mutually he's the one that's united decided i'm gonna risk bankrupting the firm and all of us um, to, to get these guys. Um, which again, he, he persists in doing. We uh, we should say there's, a, there's an interesting cross-examination. Dan Hedaya, I told you everyone was in this. Dan Hedaya is the owner of the tannery. Um, and we see him in an early scene when he's being um, cross-examined before the trial and he just pours his water over the uh, yeah. over the, the nice desk, the nice uh, conference table of, of John Travolta's firm to just, uh, well, he's making a point that that's how you, that's how you cure leather, but what he's actually doing is I'm pouring water over your table. Yeah. Um, but he's, again, he's just stonewalling um, as, as, again, as the mill owner, he's clearly culpable, but he knows they've got nothing on him. Well, part, part of the issue about the, the, the poisoning of the water is he's saying this is how you do the, the tanning and then there's a lot of water on the conference table but there's also yeah. a lot of water that's fallen <coughs> off the conference table onto yeah. the carpet and yeah. you know it's a metaphor of where that goes yeah who, who cleans up that spillage yeah um but there was again a, a very good cross-examination and it's um it's counterpointed as the trial goes on it's not just a regular trial because um again uh jerry thatcher uh, being a brilliant lawyer though he looks like colombo mm. is um is also has a chair at Harvard where he teaches law and he's they intercut the the trial scenes with him teaching his class about how actually yeah. you, you navigate these things. So he's saying like object to everything, break up their rhythm, yeah. make make sure that yeah, the more objections you throw at them, the uh, object, 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 and they show him doing that. And they say if you fall asleep, the first words I mouth should be objection. And they cut <laughs> to him waking up in his chair going objection. <laughs> Um, but there's also a very good one when um, so John, yeah. and he's saying, I think he's saying pride will kill you more than a bad uh, crooked judge or a bad evidence or anything. Pride is going to kill you as a lawyer. And that's made very clear because gone, John Travolta, Jan Schlickman is very well turned out and he's very slick and he's very personable. And he's he's what you'd imagine to be a you know, golden yeah. lawyer. Yeah. Would be. And Jerry Thatcher is the opposite. He's, he's you know, he, his bag is tied up with uh, yeah. duct tape and this sort of stuff. But we see it happen when um, Schlickman has Dan Hader on the stand 
and he's he's they actually this film warned him saying don't push him you, you could trip yourself up because i'm not that stupid i'll get him and he's talking to him and he goes you know you're 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 are you, are you upset that you're that you've been polluting the land and he goes yes i am upset well why is that and they just it's the it's, why question it's isn't incredibly it? subtle but both um robert duval and john lithgow is the judge who's just watching it kind of twitch thinking that she shouldn't have asked that mistake yeah like no one does an audible gasp but both of these people who are clearly much more schooled in trial law thinking whoa what's he done yeah, there yeah and then they he's asked back. the question he's asked yeah. why don't yeah. ask why yeah and then we, we don't get the bullet immediately because we get these two reactions and we're thinking what's happened here and then they get back to the lecture and duval goes unless you know exactly what that answer is going to be never ask a defendant why yeah. and then dan hedaya comes out with a very moving speech about you know this is my family's land this is my father my grandfather this is our land i'm devastated this is my town and i love my town yeah and he comes out basically with a very good defense of why he wouldn't deliberately poison his yeah. own town and that punctures the case quite a lot and yeah. then the next body blow comes in when as um as Thatcher promised, he would never let the families go on trial because right after they've had sort of months of boring geological surveys, he says, I think we need to draw a line now and have a ruling whether or not the jury think that these this water contaminates the town. Because if it didn't, then you can't put the, the parents on, yeah. on the stand. It's basically it's very it's, clever. It's a clever way of cutting out the most emotive part of the yeah. trial, which of course um, Jan Stickman sees immediately and thinks you can't do that. And again, um, the judge, whether because he's been, you know, played by Jerry Thatcher, or whether he thinks this is the right way to proceed, has presented the jury with three very opaque questions about how how they is basically it. If there are three questions. Um, can you do you think that this firm was responsible for poisoning it? If so, what dates from which they began the poison? Yeah. And is it between August ninety seven and there's like yeah. it's the, they're, they're, what do these dates even mean? Yeah, they're they're almost impossible to read, let alone answer. Um, and as the, so now the jury are presented with this kind of pre-verdict on whether they either firms even need to get put to trial. Mm. Um, and during which, uh, again, Thatcher has a little one-to-one -one with Stickman as they're waiting outside for the verdict. And he he once again just says, Liv, I, I, I can cut a deal right now, so can you. Let's cut a deal right now. We're kings. Um, yeah, he, he says, I, I can't make that decision now. He says, who, who, do, you need, who do you need a decision from? Yeah. It's me and you. Yeah, and um, he offers it. It's a good scene, actually. It's it's a very good scene. Yeah, it's because um, again, uh, I think Thatcher says I don't I don't normally wait outside like this before. Is 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 this is what normally happens? Because he's clearly used to settling or, or killing cases. That he's not much of a, um, one for relying on the juries. But he offers him twenty million to just end it now. It's like, and once again, Schlickman, I think it's he's still the case of if they're offering it to me. I don't I don't want it. I want to take yeah. it from them. Yeah. Um, and he turns it down again, which proves to be probably his fatal error because the jury rule that Beatrice, which is um, Jerry Thatcher's firm, they can't prove his firm were involved in it. So he's cut loose. He's out of it. Um, but Grace, the firm made by Mr. Cheeseman, is still culpable. So that trial goes on. But obviously the, the, the amount of money available on the table has now shrunk yes, rapidly. Yeah. And and so it proves they get uh, they get called to visit the head of Grace Industries um played in kind of sneeringly condescension by Sidney Pollock. Sidney uh, Pollock, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, again, we'll come to the, the very final scene as well. It has another start end, but yeah, Sydney Pollock oh, is the, yeah. is the head of, of Grace Foods, and basically, um, 
once again puts him at his ease. The Harvard club talks to him about yachts. Uh, finally calls him to his office and and makes him put his feet up on this rickety old table. He's like, put, put your feet up. I don't yeah. want to. Put your feet up. And he eventually has to do it. and looks so uncomfortable. Um, yeah. As as they talk, and he goes, I'll I'll give you eight million. And then you intercut back with um. Uh, John Travolta telling again William H. Mason Tony Shalhoub about his experience. So it's like they offered you eight million. I'm not taking eight million. You didn't take eight million. Yeah. And there's, there's this three-way conversation going on with two different events. Um, the fact he's again he this is where he comes out with saying I'm not taking anything that they're prepared to give me. I want to take mm -hmm. something they're not prepared to have. And eventually they have to settle for the eight million because they they have nothing left. And the light literally the lights go out in their office. So they. Well, they don't break even. They, they break even as bankrupt, penniless men. Yes. Um, but they don't yeah. go to jail, I suppose, for bankruptcy. Um, the families get what you would call a very derisory amount of money. Uh, and the case is essentially closed then. Uh, and, yeah. and but, but, but again, it, say derisory, they're offered like 370,000, which is obviously no small amount, but considering what they've lost and what they could have got is, is a tiny amount. But again, the first question the families ask is, and they're going to clean up the mess, aren't they? Yeah. And they have to say no. No. <laughs> which is obviously again the families want. That's what they wanted. They didn't really want the money. They wanted the apology of which the clean the cleanup would be tantamount to. Yeah. She said this is this is worse than. Yeah. Well, I can't remember what she said. This is worse than nothing, isn't it? Really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so. And so the uh, it turns out that uh, as of the firm, well, the firm go their separate ways. Like John Ford is saying, we'll, we'll we'll still fight this. And Tony Shalhoub says, there's no, no. we. It's like you're out of the firm. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, and they, so they all leave it. And so it turns out that John Travolta's kind of voiceover has been a letter to his successor in the trial yeah. because he is now a personal injury lawyer in a tiny little office. You know, he, he, his his grand lifestyle is gone. He's in a small yeah. um, bed oh, It's a grim looking bed sit. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. he eats his little sandwich. Uh, and he kind of pens his letter to his successor saying, you know, I hope you have more luck than I did. Here's all the evidence to the case. What he, what he does, he finds one more person. He, um, he finds, he realizes there's an extra person he should have found who said, you know, I'm not, I shouldn't have looked for who caused the mess. I should have looked for who cleaned it up. Yeah. So he finds, uh, again, another character actor, Daniel von Bargen, um, yeah. who is the guy who was hired, uh, tied to clean up the mess, who also, in the same line as James Gandolfini, feels guilty about what was done to the town. Yeah. So they get his testimony, but it fails on appeal, and eventually he hands over the whole case to the uh, the EDA, the Environmental Agency of, of the Government, who do successfully prosecute and force Grace and Beatrice to, I think it's like to contribute to the seven, seven, six point sixty eight million dollar cleanup of the land, yeah. um, which apparently was a, a landmark amount of uh, yeah. money, <clears throat> and. Um, but John Travolta himself, he's like himself is, is bankrupt and penniless. The last bit of the, uh, the case is him at a bankruptcy hearing for himself uh, with the judge's Kathy Bates. Uncredited Kathy Bates. Yeah, Kathy Bates just saying, um, are you telling me all you've got is a portable radio and $14? Where, where is it? Where's all yeah. the money? Where's all the possessions you've accumulated over a lifetime? Yeah. And he's, he didn't even answer, just like he's got nothing. Um, but then there's a few postscripts again. The, uh, the companies have to make restitution. The area is cleaned up, and uh, Schlitman is now a personal injury lawyer that works in environmentalism. Yeah, and yeah, it took him what was it five years to pay off his debts or something like that? Yeah, yeah, it was. Horrific. Yeah, and he, he now yeah he's, he's a he's an environmental personal yeah. injury lawyer, I guess yeah. <laughs> whatever that is. But yeah. So yeah, so quite grim. I guess the uh, the win in this is because he never gave up and never settled the case. I guess we yeah. stayed open so that the, the area could be cleaned up yeah. and the companies could be brought to justice, but blimey did it cost him a lot. It cost him a lot and um, it, it's a bit of a downer, isn't it? 
but maybe he gained his soul. In the, in maybe the, he uh, gained his soul. Yes. And, you know, perhaps, again, this is part of the, the analysis. Um, some interesting things that I, I kind of wanted to discuss um, with what the focus of the film is as well. So um, without further ado, thank you, Hugh, for that um, pacey synopsis. <laughs> Only a mere 33 minutes. Um, that's not bad. You know, it was a long film, so. That's true. <laughs> it was th the third of the length of the film. Um, <laughs> there we go um but now you know um oh let's have a think about this what kind of witty quip can i say um sharpen your <laughs> no i haven't got anything join us after the break yeah i've got nothing Welcome back, dear listener, as we slip the croissant into our jacket uh, pocket and walk off with a very nice pen. We've come to the analysis. <laughs> we'll come to the analysis of uh, of a civil action. Yeah. So, Hugh, this was your choice. It was. And as befits your choice, why don't you kick us off with a, uh, uh, a reason as to why you chose a civil action? I have to admit, it's a film I'd never heard of before. Yes. Um, and indeed, that was one of the reasons. So it was drawn to my attention by again a video essayist um, who covers films um, basically saying this is a hidden gem um, so I at once didn't watch the video essay because I didn't want it to yeah, be spoiled yeah. but I did look into the film um, and again having seen the cast list that alone made me think mm. wow this has got to be worth a watch um, I also thought we again in the in the genre movie you know we do a lot of action films uh, and musicals for some reason <laughs> but uh, <laughs> But we don't, I can't remember doing a courtroom drama before. Um, so I thought that would be a nice change Break of pace. Morant? Possibly, yes, not quite possibly. though. No, no, I mean that, that would be close. That was that was four years ago anyway. Yeah, but, um, it was, very true. Yeah. Well, I, I just suppose we've not done that American court. With... No, the classic, like <coughs> yeah. the verdict or yeah. witness for the prosecution or something like that. Indeed, yeah. So um, so that was what drew my attention. And again, the cast list itself just seemed to scream. It's incredible. Yeah, the I couldn't believe the cast list: Travolta, Shalhoub, Macy, Evenet, Quinlan, Duval, oh, Sydney Pollock, John Lithgow, Dan Hedaya, James Gandolfini, Stephen Fry. I mean, what? Yeah, Kathy Burke, <laughs> Kathleen Quinlan. Yeah, madness. Yeah. So there's a lot going on here. Um, mm. And again, the the budget of this, and this was this was late nineties, was seventy five million. Yeah, and this has a got movie, a budget. Yeah, for a movie that I don't know. It, it's not special effect heavy. There's a few. There's a few detonations, and most all the, the heavy earth moving equipment to show the tannery must have cost something. But I bet a lot of that went on staff. I mean, the the cast. Oh yeah, I think a lot of it must have gone on Travolta, possibly <laughs> Duval. Well, Maybe Travolta because... was in his second wind. Yeah, he was, and he, and, got, and Duval... he got nominated for an Oscar for this. Oh, it was as well. Duval, wasn't it? Yeah, but Duval, sorry, yeah, yes, Travolta was on his second wind. Yeah, that's right. And, and Duval and got he... nominated for best supporting actor. Duval did, yeah, that's right. Um, so I think. I don't know, mid to late nineties, Travolta would have been in a box office, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. This this so, was this was yeah. Michael, this was primary colours, this was yeah. after pulp fiction, this yeah. was this was big um, it's, it's, it's funny when you and I think sometimes films so the casting of a film can sometimes lead it to be maybe um less well received later on as well. So like at the time, if you're casting John Travolta, you're not thinking in in 20, 22, 23 years time, John Travolta's basically not going to have made anything of any interest for about 20 years, are you? Yeah, yeah. And so you don't really see John Travolta as this huge star. Yeah. But in the 90s, he was massive. 
indeed but i think that works two ways because i think if you were watching this movie in the, in the, in his heyday you'd get expectations of what the movie should be for example mm. i think master and commander suffered a lot because people were expecting gladiator at sea yeah and it wasn't that at all because you'd cast russell crowe who was then kind of had a name as an action star yeah you're right and you think that's what it's gonna be like and it wasn't it was a much more in, uh, introspective interesting piece whereas john Travolta. Yes, indeed. Um, so that almost worked against its success. Yeah. Whereas this one, you'd expect John Travolta again. He'd done a primary colours is kind of a serious yeah, film, but it's kind yeah. of it's also kind of not quite light, but it's not deeply heavy. Um, you have again Michael, the, the roles he's playing. You know, the, he's playing pleasant, amiable roles, and you'd expect him to be in that Tom Cruise role of the plucky lawyer. That's yeah. a bit basically yuppie redemption. You think it's be Jerry Maguire because yeah, Schlickman is a is a is a very it starts like that though, doesn't it? Exactly. It starts yeah. like that. He, he's he got the trappings of wealth and he's got all the you know, he's completely shallow. Um he's the tenth most eligible man in Boston. And then he get he he, he grows a conscience shows he grows a conscience and sacrifices everything to do what's right. And if this was Jerry Maguire, he'd be A have a love interest and B the final reel would be him walking out of the, the courtroom with all you know holding a crying child while he waves and, and ticker tape goes everywhere. True. But it's not that at all. It's and it might have been more popular as a result. <laughs> yeah, but it wouldn't have been a better film. No, it wouldn't have been a better film. Yeah, so this made this lost quite a lot of money at the box Ooh, office. Yes. I am still surprised. Seventy five million dollars is a lot of budget. Yeah. Um, even taking into account the cast list. I like to think it somehow mirrored the uh, the film itself, whereas they're just putting more and more money into the film. And there's a, there's something, there's a William H. Macy in the budget saying, just stop spending money, we're not going to make it back. Yeah, we will, we will. It's a hell of a budget to put on, in a film like this, which, oh, yeah. which doesn't, which has a real downer of an ending. Yeah, and is it's I mean it's we'll come to whether, whether it's good or not but it's it's certainly not broad appeal I wouldn't say this, no it's not gonna no. have a queue around the block to watch no it's not even it's not even John Grisham style is it I mean no, it, no, there's it, a bit of John Grisham in this I think the first half of the film perhaps but yeah. you know you can see a kind of um the firm type yeah, but there's not even a car chase in it. When, when his car goes <laughs> speeding, there's this one car in it. It's just him. Well, there isn't. There isn't any. There isn't any um, dramatic. In, and I mean that in a kind of like yeah. ex, you know traditional dramatic scenes in the film. There's no. There's no chases. There's nothing like that. Is it's there? Funny effect. Yeah, because he gets stopped for speeding twice. Yeah. But you just see his car racing, and then you see him stationary giving his ticket. If this had been. You know, you could have had the the police car pull up behind him with the lights yeah. flashing to make it seem more dramatic, but they don't do that. They deliberately to make that. I will say actually, when they um when you say there isn't, we're jumping right to the themes now because my yeah. my rationale for picking it was fairly brisk. It was just I, I was interested in it. Yeah, fair um, enough. But but um yeah, you're right about this. I did think towards the very end because they're talking about um when Schlickman is interviewing the final witness who said I I carted all the stuff away. He said during one of the nights there were kids with firecrackers um. Basically, some some, some uh, juveniles come along and throw firecrackers uh, at um, at the, the the works just for fun, just to annoy the, the mill owner. But they accidentally throw it into what they call the swimming pool, which is a big pool of chemicals, and it effectively blows up. They set fire to the lake. Yeah. Um, which, to me, I mean, maybe maybe that was a true incident. They wanted to, to record it because like, this was based on truth. But to me, that seemed like. Do they just want to have an explosion there? It's like, yeah. can we cut that in the trailer if we have something explode? Because it, yeah. it didn't, it didn't further the plot or make the case in any way. But it felt like it'd be dramatic if something exploded, wouldn't it? it well, it, it was slightly. I thought that it was slightly counter to the rest of the film because the very rest much of the film, so, yeah. the rest of the film is almost absurdly 
anticlimactic. I don't yeah. mean that as a negative thing, but it's almost it does a it, it works hard to not get the pulse raised with Absolutely, exciting yeah. scenes. It almost cuts away from anything that might be exciting and tells you the consequence of it. Even even when they're being forced in court, there's very little voice for it. I mean, um, John yeah. Lithgow shouts him down once, saying, "Would you shut up or be quiet? I've made my decision." Yeah. But there's there's no there's no impassioned speech in front of the jury. No, there there's isn't. No, yeah, no. I mean, e even when uh, Schlickman is trying his best to win the case, he's not he's not giving the big speech about this is he a isn't. case about truth and justice, and here's what I'm trying to do. No, there there's no this, there's no summation at the end, is there? You don't exactly, see their final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't. It's almost it's a courtroom drama without the courtroom <laughs> because they settle. It's all about settling. It's, it's, all about it's, settling, not, it's yeah. not about the, the fight. So, yeah, you're right. It's it's deliberately low key or trying to make it that way. Um, I mean, there's lots of drama around it. Like I say the, the fact the firm is is getting crushed by this and the fact I mean, that the it's also counterplayed by the incredible drama of the families having uh, lost their children, which is yeah. which is sort of portrayed um, very well. And also the the, the, the neighbours around who work in the in the in the mill, knowing they've kind of done this to them too, yeah. because we didn't mention there, there is a scene um, that kind of tips James Gallifrey's character into testifying is when he goes to see um, Anne Anderson, who's the the lead plaintiff who's lost her son, and just sits down with a, a, a it's, it's a grey skies, it's a patio table in the in that side, and he just goes, look, I'm sorry, and like mm. she kind of accepts that that's her apology, yeah. Yeah. but it's it's that it's a very quiet scene when. You just kind of see the pain they're both in, but it's not. Nothing's more it's not made of it. though, is it? It's like no. it's not, not that you know James Gandolfi doesn't then rise up and punch out Dan Hodea <laughs> saying, "Hey, this is for everything you made me do." It's yeah. it's it's just people are quietly exactly. I think that's getting... the last scene you see of him in the film as well. It is, um, yeah, yeah. yeah characters he... do come in and grant. In fact, it's yeah. funny how um, Jerry Thatcher, um, who is again almost scene stealing as in Robert Duvall's role, once he's settled, he's gone. Once, yeah, once, you don't and, see him the, again, do you? and the film continues for the twenty minutes because there's still a different, another lawyer representing the other plaintiffs, yeah. which is where the and if this again, if this had been a written drama, it would have been a big finale at the end yeah. when Revolta and Duval face off. It, yeah, um, I actually think that that scene with uh, Kathleen Quinlan and James Gandolfini might be my favourite in the film actually, um, because it was quite a low key scene, uh, and I quite I was unexpectedly moved quite a lot during that film probably the, during that scene probably the reaction of Kathleen Quinlan's character Anne Anderson um because not a lot was said but she just kind of held his hand yeah you know and you think oh, I, was, I, I don't know I, I I do I cry easily um and I have to say that I shed a tear or two during that scene but there we go here's another thing about uh, casting casting a broad net uh, in the yeah. cast um most of these people were known either as character actors or, or big actors. Again, I'm thinking James Gandolfini. This would have been filmed very close to the, the start That's of The Sopranos. It must have so, been. Yeah. So he wasn't a household name by any no, means. He was barely no. a recognisable face. He'd been in a, a few cameo parts, mostly yeah. as tough yeah. Italian mobsters yeah. in other films. So you wouldn't have known who he was. And I thought that it's almost a shame now that he's so famous because I think that would have been a strength of the film because he's the third in line of some anonymous interviewees. Like first interviewee, I didn't see yeah. nothing. Second interview, I didn't see nothing. Third interview, I saw something. He's like, what? And they think, is yeah. this character going to be sick? Because he, obviously, even now, he's a very good actor. He, he does, he delivers everything. But of at the course, beginning, yeah. At the beginning, you think, is it, should I pay attention to this guy? And it catches you off guard yeah. if you watch it with those eyes thinking, I wasn't expecting this from anywhere. And of course, you know, because as soon as James Gallifrey appears, you think, He's going to be seven to watch, but in this in this context, it's like, oh, that came out of nowhere. That was quite good. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah, you're right. And because he wasn't famous at the time, he might just have had a bit part. 
you don't know, do you? Yeah, you could, you could, but they slipped it in this quite nicely again. And, and like I say, the because he is, he gives them the, the testifying thing that his his family too, his eight children, they've they've some of them have suffered some some serious health issues, and yeah, that's that scene the dinner table, um, was just like you, you could see the pain in his eyes. Yeah, yeah, you definitely could. You definitely could. Um, I mean, so we've we've kind of discussed the fact that the film is it takes a it takes a slightly different route to the courtroom drama and the this this kind of film i suppose certainly certainly in the 90s i think in the 90s i would i would have expected this to be very bombastic you know i would have expected it to be like a few good men or the firm or you know stuff like that yeah, where you've yeah. got you've got some meaty monologues and all this kind of stuff and it's not it's not really like that i, I think i think that is more in tune with more modern day films about subjects like this and i don't necessarily mean the courtroom element of it but i mean kind of either in investigations that take place that uncover either criminal or corporate corruption of some kind um and so either the the investigative journalism around those or the 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 movement into the legal system about oh no. So what I might do is just cover a couple of films that do this, and this can also cover the other films you might want to watch as a consequence of this as well. Yeah. So I think there are a couple of films that, that reminded me of this a little bit. One of them is Spotlight. Oh, do you know what I was I was about to say? If you hadn't mentioned Spotlight, I would have because that was the, that was as soon as you were describing it, I'm thinking that's exactly what it is. That procedural, yeah, uh, yeah, almost messy. It doesn't have a clear conclusion. You no, just it does not. not and, you, you don't quite know where it's going or what, yeah. what's happening in it but the point isn't necessarily the outcome the point is the investigation almost. yes yes um and it's the investigation it? that helps you to learn some of these processes and i think that's that that it's, it has more in tune with that than say a few good men for example yes. right um which is far more bombastic and and you know a lot more popular i guess the other film which i was thinking of is a relatively recent film called dark waters okay. which stars mark ruffalo as and again it's it's remarkably similar sounding i actually thought dark waters was a remake of um a civil action it's about uh a determined it's actually a determined kind of um police officer actually in this instance oh no no he's i think he's a i think he's a lawyer anyway it's him and this farmer who are determined to investigate the pollution of waters through chemical spillage um oh. of a factory in a local town <laughs> that has caused the death of children oh, um and i honestly thought that it was a remake of a civil action but no it's a completely different film. but again that film is focused a lot on the investigation yeah. um and a lot on the process of uncovering the principles so i wonder whether the reason why this film maybe was slightly less successful was because it feels quite dour but it probably wasn't the, there wasn't a market for this kind of story in the late 90s which was far more bombastic far more in your face um and actually if it was released you know maybe if it was released 10 years later or 15 years later there might have been more of a market for it because there's a lot more there's a lot more television about this kind of stuff now yeah well, again um my two observations here is one does mark ruffalo's career consist entirely of um, determined reporters yeah because he's in spotlight as well the isn't Hulk. He? he's in he's yeah. zodiac as well isn't he of course he is yeah and zodiac was the other one i was thinking of actually yeah. but it's interesting again the second thing was um only a couple of years later erin brockovich came out which and, is and so is, yeah, it, yeah that and i was going to mention that as well on, and i on. think that is the transition yeah 
but that one is almost combines the procedural yeah. grind of a, of a class action with that kind of character development jerry Maguire, a few good men yeah, yeah. upsurge because it's it's even it's it's a, it's a good movie but it is told in a in, a, in an arc of someone's someone's climb someone's victory yeah it is and it, and it has a resolution because you, you, you when you leave Aaron Bockwich you feel good whereas you don't feel like oh my god these yeah, these these people are polluting or whatever and it's like it's it's different isn't it it's a it's a different vibe and it's it's a different vibe it's, it certainly is a different vibe but I think Erin Brockovich it, it was very successful because and I think it's a really good film as well it it, it really does it really does balance that character study of Erin Brockovich and the story of the investigation as well. Yeah. And I, if I have a criticism of a civil action, I'm not sure entirely that its focus, I'm not sure entirely that it has the right focus all of the time. Or, or I think it ha maybe it casts it, like the cast almost, it casts its net too wide. And there's nothing wrong with a film being ambitious, I don't think, you know, and if that's the worst criticism of the film, it's doing quite a good job. But there, for me, there are three things, there are three focuses in the film. So the first one is, it's a film about the legal system. It's a film about how the legal system works. And it's a film about how certain elements of the legal system are in place to prevent justice from happening, I guess, really, in some respects. So, and I think you know, it does that well, right? Um, it's well done, particularly the way that um, John Travolta starts the film and the way that he moves through into becoming a more kind of human and more yeah. rounded and more deep, a, a deeper character, as, as it were. And Robert yeah. Duval, obviously, he's he, he's a metaphor. He's a representation of the justice system, isn't he? Right. Yeah. That's what he is. So he, it does it well, but it has that focus on it. It's also in part, I think, a film about Jan Schlickman, about his it's a character study of him and his obsession with the case and his transition from um i wouldn't say money grabbing i wouldn't even say so cynical happy. but the kind of business business focused lawyer yeah. to principled lawyer i guess in certain respects I, I think maybe it moves a bit quickly in that context but it's still it's done well and then there's the third part of the film which is about the corporate misconduct and about the story of the chemical pollution and the children and the families etc and it does that fine as well i think what I might have wanted was it to go down the road of one of those a little bit more yeah. rather than give equal weight to them, because I think giving equal weight to all of those things, it never really gets it never really got under my skin enough with any one of them. It does. It does justice to all of them, ironically. But it, I think it's the difference between something that's a good watch and something that is. A classic. Right. Yeah. So I would have liked, it's my own personal preference, I would have liked it to be, you know, we're reviewing films that we haven't seen now, right? But <laughs> I would have liked it to have been a film about the corporate misconduct. I wanted to, I wanted more about the investigation. Yeah. Because that's what I find interesting. Um, or if not that, I wanted it to be more, much more about the legal system and much less about Jan Slickman, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, but I can accept all three, right? It's just, it, 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 for it to be really, for it to really grasp me, it needed to run with one of those as the primary focus. And I think it did all three, it did them all well, but none of them excelled. I don't know what you think about that. No, I think um, I hadn't actually considered in those terms. You articulate it very well, how I thought about it. I'd agree. It's you never get sort of Beatrice or Grace, the two big companies, 
view on it other than Sydney Pollock saying I can pay you a bit of money but I can't yeah. pay you a lot of money because that will open up open up lots of other cases yeah. um, so here's eight million dollars to go away um, but that's he is very much a cipher for this is the this 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 is a world you can't touch. They will yeah. they will they will get rid of you, and they know what your weaknesses and that that will be that. Um, again, but yeah, Robert Duvall's Jerry Thatcher is a a, a masterstroke turn. You know, his his oh, performance brilliant. and the writing too. He's incredibly yeah. well said by the yeah. plot and the the script and the and the writing of the of the, 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 the story. Um, and yeah, I could I could have seen the whole film about how he basically abuses the legal system to get what he wants. Um, yeah, so he, you're he's, right. He's, yeah, he's never ruffled. He he knows exactly how every card will turn. And because well, I, he, it's he's not been even that. For so long. I I I go further. He, he he knows exactly how every card will turn. I think he has ordered the pack. Yeah, he's dealing them. That's why. You, you know what? Do you know what I mean? He, it, it's it's the bit where um. Is, uh, I don't know. It's the bit where he offers the twenty million dollars outside the courtroom on the verdict. Yeah. He, he he does it knowing that he does it knowing the answer. Yeah. And 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 knowing what the verdict will be. Yeah. But he does but it, it anyway. Yeah. Because he because he, he would he would take that as a win anyway. Yeah. Because he know he knows what the liability is. Yeah. Exactly. But exactly. it's also the thing. Yeah, it's when he has his little chat saying, you know, get rid of me. Oh, you don't want yeah. me in this fight. Yeah. And. It, you know, um, Schickman at this point thinks he's got a winning hand and is saying, um, look, as soon as those families get up on the, the stand, you know, you've got a chance. He goes, I would never let those families testify. Mm. And Schickman goes, I don't see how you could do that. And he goes, no, I know you don't. <laughs> and he's already got it that he's never letting them get up. He's never let them, yeah. But he knows that Schickman has not a clue how he's going to stop it. And that's how he gets so completely wrong footed. Um, and it's even then before the, before the trial even starts, as Schlickman is saying the voiceover, saying you should never go to trial. It's suicide to try to take this yeah, course to trial. Yeah, and he's all but, into it almost, doesn't he? But he, but he says something like, um, you, you find out something about yourself or how bad you want it. Um, yeah. Well, and again, I, I, I was kind of reflecting on um, the kind of you 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 reference the uh, the scene um, when they're doing a, I think it's a deposition or, or they're doing the pre the pre court activity yeah. when they're interviewing the um the the parents and and you know one of them is describing how his child died in in the car on the way to the hospital and it's at that moment that you see jan schlickman his, his almost his attitude changes doesn't it from yeah. being a lawyer to someone who is going to be obsessed about this and actually yeah. think that's in in a kind of in a hard way that's the point at which he lost Yes. Right. That's uh, you know he showed his human face, but in in this version of the justice system, you would rather have the clinical logic of Thatcher than the humanism of Schlickman, because Schlickman's going to lose the moment he the moment he showed that emotion, he lost. Yeah. But ironically, again, what you know, if even if he he'd been as you know as hard nosed as Thatcher, um, all the all he would have won is a payout from the companies that could have afforded it. That's almost the, the hard truth is that there is no, yeah. there's no justice. Again, it, it's um, Thatcher once again says it when he opens the court saying, this is not a criminal case. This is no right or wrong. This is about yeah. money. money. And it's basically just like how much money will the other side settle to say this is all right. And yeah, absolutely. But, you know, in, you know, that, that, that's shown in that. The irony is, of course, in that first scene where it sets the scene almost when you've got the paraplegic yeah. um, <coughs> plaintiff. And in some respects, you know, the, 
the kind of the cynic in me, I suppose, with with a film like this says, well, what was it about this case that made him become more human? <laughs> right. Um, and what wasn't it about the case of the paraplegic that made him not? Yeah. So, you know, it, so it almost saying um, it, it, he, he didn't care too much about the paraplegic. Right. He was yeah. willing just to because th- all that was was settling, wasn't it? Yeah, there was nothing else there. It didn't look like there was any apology. It was just money. Um, so it's okay for that case to be just about money, but it's not okay for this case to be just about money. And I think that what I didn't quite get was the transition between those two, because you know I, I can accept that that can happen, yeah. but it was almost it was a bit too quick. You know, it was almost too. The first scene was too extreme. Why does it have to be a paraplegic? Yeah, I took that to be basically his his exposure to the uh, the case field, so the, the amount of pollutants he was attached with is that he's, he normally his cases you know settle quickly and settle out of court, so he doesn't have to get as deep into Too it. Too much involved. This, yeah, this was okay. a big case. Yeah. They put the whole resource to yeah, So the, yeah. the more they were doing the things, the more families were talking to, the more it went into, the more exposed he got to it, and eventually that was his tipping point. Yeah. So I take that. I guess it's it's quite. I guess I put. I put it as unsentimental film, despite the fact that when it deals with, again, it's dealing with with the subject matter, which is you know poisons killing children. Um, it's it's and it actually it handles that quite, if you like, tastefully and well and oh, well. Oh yeah, it does. Yeah, it, it does. Um, it's it, yet other than that, there's no <laughs> in a way that like, there's no romance stories. You no, know, Jan doesn't yeah. have a life outside that. There's no. It's it's be artificial to put that in, you know, to have you know his, uh, his girlfriend be, or his yeah. wife, you know, what are you doing, Jan, um, and this kind of stuff. But it is it you know, it it takes on three subjects, which is probably too many. But it does stick to them quite well. It doesn't try to inject anything like you no, know, a, a GBI deception. Yeah, saying, yeah, oh, Jan, you're right. I love you. That, that's my point. It you know it 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 does each of those things well, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it does. It does each of those things well. I was engaged throughout the film. I, I found the film very entertaining. Yeah. Um, and John Travolta was really good in it. I mean, I, I think Robert Duval is the most valuable player, perhaps. But yeah. John Travolta is very engaging. He puts in a good turn. I think he's he's, he's well cast. Um, the, you know, the, the, the cast does a good job as well. Um, it's just, it, I suppose it's just that there's almost, it's always trying to be too, it's trying to tell too many stories. Um, well, no, that's not right. It's trying to tell one story, but from too many angles. Yeah, yeah, and because, and, and yeah. that's where it loses it a little bit. Because, like I say, with um, Robert Duvall character as a standard antagonist in a in a courtroom drama, it's normally played by a good actor, but it's not given the attention that he is given. Yeah. Um, but that made him so memorable. That's the funny thing. It's like you, uh, if he'd been because it could have been Robert Duvall in a just a lesser role if we'd seen less of him around and just yeah. had him you know making a few objections you just just yeah. oh yeah yeah that, that's yeah and, and that's my point so the, you know because Robert Duvall has such an important role in the film I feel the film should be uh almost like a a, a scathing indictment of the justice system yeah, and it, 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 it is that from his perspective actually it would have been from his yeah but it, but it, it does do that you know it is it is a it is a it is reflecting the justice system it said you know this isn't about justice this is about money it does that um but then it also tries to do that kind of investigative journalism type thing and yes. of course you can't really you can't you can't do that in the time that you've got left right yeah so you get you get bits you get the stephen fry character the little bits about the geology of the area you get little bits about um how um how the chemical falls off the the 
the tanning process. You get a little bit of that, but you don't really get, get enough you of get it. get two smoking gun um, whistleblowers. Yeah, yeah, you do. Not just yeah. one. I mean, not just one, two. <clears throat> but then they don't, they're not really followed up very well, are they? They're in it and then they're not in it anymore very much. Yeah, well, the James Gandolfini one is useful because it triggers off the, the first settlement, which which leads to everything falling apart. Yeah. Again, the, the Daniel von Bargen one is almost a similar character. He's just a an honest guy who's who can't lie anymore and is is responsible for dumping the chemicals so he comes clean. Yeah, um, uh, but, it, but and, and, it and maybe that maybe that's the way it happened in real life. And but yes, I, yeah, I wonder. Yeah. I wonder whether it needed. So this is the because this is an adaptation of a book and it's an adaptation of a true. It's a true story, effectively. Yeah, yeah. I wonder whether, a, you know, a true story like that doesn't always make a dramatic film. Yeah. Would it have been better to maybe think about the structure of the film and introduce that second smoking gun earlier? You know, and and think yeah. about the ramification of that a little bit more. Now, it wouldn't have been truthful to the book and perhaps not truthful to the event but it might have changed the way that the film really moved i guess yeah and i guess because it has to be anticlimactic in its ending i mean was that that last whistleblower was added not to turn the film around but to give you a ray of light it was like the death star plans of escaped yeah, planet yeah and there might be a good resolution after the film has stopped because that's what you're promised is you're, you're promised an end credits victory which you're kind of prepped for at this point when you realize oh my gosh they really can't win they've they've lost there is no way back. They're all broke. They're all yeah. done for. They're, that's it. Yeah. Um, maybe he's, the, he's, the, he's, the, he's yeah. the ticket to the end credits victory. Yeah. And and that's and that is fine, except that in Star Wars, <laughs> I can't believe we're comparing <laughs> Star Wars to this. In Star Wars, there is active decision making as a consequence of that, whereas in a civil action the second smoking gun character is then almost left yeah okay it does give you a bit of hope that this will happen and we do find out that actually um you know they are grace and um what's the name of the other company i can't remember uh, but, beatrice but beatrice they you know they, they do come a cropper with with the payments etc but if that second smoking gun wasn't in the film at all, I don't think it would have mattered. Or if it was in the film earlier, I think it would have had more of an impact. But if it was in the film earlier, the structure of the film would have had to have changed. We would have to have seen much more of the follow-up environmental um, case that was brought, which is what I think I'm trying to say. That's what I would like to have seen. That's interesting. Yeah. Right. But then it has to be not about Jan Schlickman and therefore not about John Travolta. And it would have to have been a more... And I know that the cast goes deep, but I don't think it's an ensemble cast. No, no. Is it? Unlike Spotlight, for example, which is a very ensemble cast. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's very much a John Travolta film. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, but I feel like I'm being quite down on it. I don't mean to be. Actually, the film, the, although it's quite a long film, it's, it's just about two hours, isn't it? Just yeah. under two hours. It rattled along. It looks fantastic. I was going to say, for a film that is mostly the inside of courtrooms or, or, or yeah. waterlogged New England. It's it's a very well shot film. It and looks fantastic. It really and, does. Yeah, and the, the lovely directorial touches in, in the things that happened. One thing, I don't know if I mentioned this already, is that um, there was something I've been alluded to by my wife in terms of a mindfulness thought, is that once once you have something in your head, your brain will seek it out everywhere. Um, yes. So if you're, if you're walking along thinking, well, I could, I could I could just buy some red flowers, you look around thinking, there's a lot of red flowers around. And they, they, were, they were always there. Your, your brain is now trained to seek them out and find them. And I don't know whether it's my brain doing it, but boy, were there a lot of glasses of water in this film. 
it, it's really hammered home because when you must feel thirsty watching it it's like it's yeah. really hammered home that yeah. you know, water is everywhere it's a necessity because it was not like they're not going after big tobacco where you, know, you say you say well it's just cigarettes you know don't give your children cigarettes and they won't get to uh, yeah cancer. it's like you can't not is, give children water can yeah you? this is water everyone is drinking water yeah. all the time and yeah. it's not like they're, they're having contests no. they're just doing it as part of their natural way of doing things and thinking and then but it's shown like is this the poisoned cup? Is this the yeah. poisoned cup? Is there's yeah. a real intimidation sense, the harmless glasses of water in the film. That's quite It's simple. very stressful. Yes. Isn't yeah. it? It's like I've never I didn't know that just looking at a child about to drink a glass of water could be so <laughs> heart palpitatingly stressful. It really yeah. is. Yeah. And I suppose that's the point. That's that scene with James Gandolfini as well, with his eight children. I mean, first of all, eight children, man. I, su I suspect him being of Italian descent, his, uh, his, his uh, chosen path of life may have led to marrying children. Well, that's a, that's, that's a very stereotypical view of the Italians. <laughs> <laughs> you, have, you are familiar with James Gandolfini's career, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I am. Are there any other themes of the film that you wanted to, to discuss here? No, I think I've covered all of that. I think uh, it was you, you were right about the, the different directions it went. But again, you said it was a long film. I did, I did, for a film, again, where there was very little kind of adrenaline kicks to get you through, two hours seemed to went, went by pretty well. Yeah, I, was, I was engaged yeah. thoroughly throughout the whole thing. Even, I agree. even when I, my heart sank thinking, oh no, it's all going very, very wrong. Yeah. This isn't going to be an Aaron Brockovich triumph no. where they walk away with with large amounts of money. It, um, it, my, it, was, it, it held me there. I'll tell you what, it was helpful also to know nothing about the film. So oh, yeah. I never heard the film, never heard, of, ne never heard of it before, and I knew nothing about it until I watched it. Other than I'd, I'd had a look and seen that John Lithgow's in it, so I thought, yeah. oh, okay. um, so I didn't know which way it was going to pan out, and I had in my head that it was obviously going to be it'd have a happy ending. Yeah. Um, and and the fact that it doesn't, I quite admire. I mean, I'm all. I say it's a bit of a downer. I'm all up for downers yeah. as endings go because that's probably more realistic, right? <laughs> yeah, and I did uh, again. I did appreciate the voiceovers and indeed the the teaching moments of the film because I thought they were useful. It wasn't yeah. patronising. It didn't talk down to its audience. But when you have again Jan Schlickman giving that voiceover of what the odds are of winning and why, yeah, no, good, in, fact, yeah. in fact, in fact, it's never about trial law. Yeah. You, you you spend and spend until you settle, and all all the stuff that you see happening in in other legal things, but mostly the thing that it, it's leading to the trial. It's leading to the um. The, the, the big drama. Yeah, in fact, the, yeah. it's not that. It's all pre-manoeuvring, so you settle before the war even breaks out. Yeah. And I thought that was quite well put across. Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, voiceovers like that aren't always successful, are they? Yeah. And, and actually, that that I thought was very well done. And it's it's supplemented with that great sequence with um, Robert Duvall doing the Harvard um, teaching kind of the Harvard yeah. lecture. And it, which is another form of narration, isn't it? Another form of yeah. kind of voiceover in that context yeah. as well. But thought it worked really well. Um, well, there we go. Um, are there any other films? I mean, you know, we've got a we've got a, a whole a history of um, American culture and courtroom dramas to go through. Um, are there any other films other than those that we've mentioned that might be a good double bill with a civil action? Do you think? Hmm. Um... None that leap to mind again, apart from the ones we've talked through already. Um, yeah, I, I think I think you're probably right. I can't think of many more. I mean, you know, other than the bombastic uh, courtroom dramas, but I don't think it's not quite the same. I think the closest this comes to is really those that kind of spotlight yeah. process, really, um, or, or perhaps films that have an obsessive 
or an obsessed central character seeking to find the truth about something, um, which kind of John Travolta's Jan Schlichtman is in this as well. Although he's not really even trying to find the truth, is he? He's just trying to win the case. <laughs> well, he's, more, he's, he's not even trying to win the cases. He's trying to hurt the uh, yeah the, uh, the, so, the so countries that did it. It's it's it's, it's a very the, unusual film, isn't it? Yeah, because he's, he's offered the chance to win the case on several occasions. Um, yeah, and he, he does, he's right. even articulate saying, I don't want to take their money and just have them, you know, write me off as the cost of doing business. I want them to like feel the pain. Very, it's remarkable. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable. It's a very odd film, actually. And it's surprising how effective it is, really, yeah. given that. One thing I just, just want to find, finally say, the director is called Stephen Z Zalian, who... Uh, for my sins, I have to say I'd not heard of as a director before, but then it turns out that he won an, won an Oscar for the screenplay to Schindler's List. Oh, my goodness. And has earned Oscar nominations for Gangs of New York, Moneyball, The Irishman and Awakenings um, as, screen, as um, screenplay. Um, and he also wrote and directed an HBO limited series called The Night Of with Riz Ahmed, which was very successful a couple of years ago as well. So, he, he, I mean... That is someone who is steeped in Hollywood majesty for yes. his writing predominantly. Which uh, explains why, the, why the, the script is so tight. Yeah, absolutely. Which absolutely. is interesting is not always what happens when he sometimes you get a screenwriter turned director. Um, yeah. The, the, it's the writing that suffers, but the direction is OK. Yeah, absolutely. Unless you're David Mamet, of course, in which case both suffer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was thinking a lot further down the the uh, the gene pool in there. Richard Curtis when he uh, started oh. directing his own comedies, the comedies got a lot less funny, but the direction was fair. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you're not going into a Richard Curtis film for the direction, are you? Surely. I'm not going to Richard Curtis film with a gun <laughs> to my head. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a fair point. Um, well, look. We have um, we have thoroughly. Oh, I can't. I can't do it. It's because I'm, I'm trying too hard to think of quips. Um, the the case is closed, isn't it? It's time. Uh, to, it's time to seal up our conversation into yeah. chemical vats and dispose of them discreetly in the forest. We've, we've got to give the verdict, haven't we? No harm to anybody <laughs> until we're found out and made to clean it up at enormous personal cost. Indeed. Keep listening, though, because we will be revealing the scores on the doors for Indeed. a civil action and we'll be revealing the next film. So join us shortly. Welcome back, dear listener. Yes, it's that part of the podcast we all love. It's nearly the end. <laughs> Uh, but before that, we have some scores to deliver, don't we? Um, as it was your film, Hugh, as tradition befits, I think you go first. What are you going to give the film a civil action? I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought the performances were, again, without fault. I was very glad to have discovered it out of literally nowhere. Um, in terms of rewatch, I wouldn't immediately jump back and watch it again. I think it's something you could return to in say ten years and enjoy it again. Um, and I think it's when, once once you you kind of one and done. It feels to me. I think it doesn't. It may not be. It may not bear up a rewatch in that sense because it's it's kind of bleak. Um, one and done. That's one, a phrase. No, 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 That's no, no, a phrase. Yeah. I'm, I'm not use. giving it. I'm not giving it one star. I mean, oh one no, watch. no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. I'm just watch, thinking yeah. one and done. That's maybe that's my wife's motto. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, I apologise. Oh, there we go. So yeah, I was saying I, I I wouldn't leap back to rewatch it. I just mean it's not good. I just think it it's you you um I've I've taken from it what I want to take from it, and I think four out of five heads for me. It's, it's four out of five disembodied Crombie heads. High praise from you. I, yeah, very good. Um, I mean I don't disagree with with anything you've said there really. I guess um I suppose I I I found the film far more entertaining than I think it should have been if you just basically read out the kind of synopsis of the, of the <laughs> film I guess um I thought I agree I think that the the performances were really good very solid script is excellent it looks great the one thing I would say is as I think I've highlighted it, that sometimes there are certain decisions that you make in a film which can elevate a film from good to great and I think if the film had had the confidence to really focus in on one of those three areas, either the character study, the legal system or the um, corporate corruption or malpractice, I guess, I think it would have had a little bit more focus to it. And I, I think I'd be talking about it now as a as a as a classic as it is. It's good. And it was a, a good way to spend a couple of hours. I'm going to give it three disembodied crombie heads. Very good. But so we are seven overall, if my maths are correct. That's not too bad. That will give a, a sizable settlement of about uh, one and a half crombie heads per grieving family, as I calculated. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be very pleased about that. No apology, though. <laughs> no apology. We give no apologies for this. Only disembodied heads. Um, but uh, without further ado, let's find out we're watching in June. I can't wait. Well, our June film for Weekend at Crombies is going to be The Public Eye. Ooh the public eye say no more say no more i don't even know if it's the letter i or a floating eye i will find out in june you will okay but until that time uh we will now now it's time to close both our public and private eyes um and, and away to bed separately what the hell <laughs> for but you know what should should listeners want to partake of bed together that is certainly within their wants, isn't it? <laughs> I was referring no, to the no judgment us. here on weekend economies. I was referring to the two of us who clearly oh, sleep fine, in yes, and Wise style single beds side by side. <laughs> well, I imagine the, the, you day, with a the pipe. days of the days of us sleeping together are long gone, aren't they? Hugh? <laughs> you, were, you, I imagine with a pipe. Uh, I'd have some kind of pasty pajamas on, um, <laughs> and with that haunting image, far more toxic than any chemical spilled from any tannery in the world, I would simply wish you a very happy and a very healthy weekend at Crombies. Good evening, all. Weekend at it's, it's like the wild geese. It's like the ending of the wild geese. Like, there's little Richard Harris. Get him aboard this time. You can do it. Don't leave him for the Simbas. Oh dear. The thing is, when there's lots of I had parents... no choice, Rafe. I had to shoot him. I had no choice. Oh, I've got other. I'm out to. Oh no, Rafe. When oh, there's lots of meal. I'll have to tell a meal. You poor Talbot's fine. Your poor Talbot impressions, <laughs> you. Whew.